0: All right, morning, everyone. So uh, today we get to look at Acts 26. Last week we looked at Acts chapters 24 and 25, and our focus was on a missed opportunity, how Paul and his defense consistently testified to the resurrection, and how God's providence and sovereignty were manifested in how Paul used his rights as a Roman citizen to obtain a fair trial. Then uh, next week, John will be back, and he'll uh, finish out Acts in the coming weeks, and then after that, I believe we're going to be looking at Mark. So, let's dig in, Acts 26. Agrippa said to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and proceeded to make his defense. In regard to all the things which I am accused by the Jews, I consider myself fortunate, King Agrippa, that I am about to make my defense before you today, especially because you are an expert in all customs and questions among the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. So then, all Jews know my manner of life from my youth up, Which from the beginning was spent among my own nation and at Jerusalem, since they have been since they have known about me for a long time, if they are willing to testify, and that I lived as a Pharisee according to the strictest sect of our religion. And now I am standing trial for the hope and of the promise made by God to our fathers, the promise to which our twelve tribes hope to attain, as they earnestly serve God night and day. And for this hope, O King. I am being accused by the Jews. Why is it considered incredible among you people if God does raise the dead? So then, I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. As I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme and became furiously enraged at them. I kept pursuing them, even to foreign cities. While so engaged as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest, at midday, O King, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when, we, and when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus who, who you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you as a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, But kept declaring both to those of Damascus first, and also at Jerusalem, and then throughout all the region of Judea, and even to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. For this reason, some Jews seized me in the temple, and tried to put me to death. So, having obtained help from God, I stand to this day testifying both to small and great, stating nothing. But what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place, that the Christ was to suffer, and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be first to proclaim the light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. While Paul was saying this in his defense, Festus said in a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you mad. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. But I utter words of sober truth, for the king knows about these matters, and I speak to him also with confidence, since I am persuaded that none of these things escape his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. Agrippa replied to Paul, in a short time you will persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would wish to God that whether in a short time or long time, Not only you, but all who hear me this day might become such as I, except for these chains. The king stood up, and the governor, and and Bernice, and those who were sitting with them. And when they had gone aside, they began talking to one another, saying, This man has done nothing worthy of death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. All right, this morning we will be focusing on Paul's faithfulness and how Jesus fulfilled the prophecies concerning the Messiah. Paul again shares his testimony. This time it's before King Agrippa. Only this time he's not on trial. Festus had asked Agrippa to hear Paul to determine the accusations to, to record on official documents in order to send to Rome for Caesar to hear his case. And since he could not determine anything to write himself, because Paul had not bro- broken any Roman law, he asked Agrippa to hear his case to determine what to write. Now Agrippa was the most open-minded official who, had spo- who Paul had spoke before yet. He was a student of Jewish theology and was very pious, yet was neither ultra-conservative nor ultra-nationalistic, unlike the Sanhedrin who were accusing Paul initially. Paul is again faithful to proclaim the message that God had given him of the resurrection of Jesus. Only this time he is uncomfortably personal in his presentation before Agrippa. Agrippa's response of, in a short time you will persuade me to become a Christian, in verse 28, is actually a lighthearted, sarcastic statement to sidestep the direct question posed by Paul as to whether Agrippa believes the prophet's. And therefore, should believe that Jesus is the Messiah. More on the connection between Jesus and the prophets later, but first, let us look at Paul's faithfulness in sharing the gospel. Throughout Acts, from the first time we were introduced to Paul, at that time Saul, he was faithful to what God had called him to do. He was zealous for the Lord, which. That was the reason he persecuted Christians initially, before Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. After that, he faithfully proclaimed Christ in city after city. And then, after his arrest, he faithfully proclaimed the gospel before the people, before the Sanhedrin, before Felix, before Festus, and now before Agrippa. He is very pointed when speaking before Agrippa, challenging him that if he really believes the prophets, like he says he does then it should be a very easy jump for him to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Yet, Agrippa does not wish to make that jump, and accuses Paul of trying to convert him in a half-jesting way. Paul's response is characteristic of his dedication to the gospel. He declares that not only does he want to convert Agrippa, but he wants everyone in the room to be converted. Only he doesn't want them to have the chains and the uh, punishment that Paul has. Paul did not let the trials, nor the fear of man, nor harm, nor hardship, nor danger keep him from the task God had given him. 2 Corinthians 11, 23-33 20 speaks of everything Paul went through for the sake of the gospel. It says this, Are they servants of Christ, I speak of as insane, I more so, in far more labors, and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews thirty nine lashes, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, Dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, and cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my becoming weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the ethnarch under Aretas the king was guarding the city of the Damascus in order to seize me. And I was let down through a basket through a window into the wall and so escaped his hands. Now if anyone had the excuse to say, I've had enough, I'm going to take it easy from here on out. I've done enough for God. It would have been Paul. Yet Paul was faithful to what God had called him to until the end of his life. Paul says this himself in 1 Corinthians nine nineteen 19-27. says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more. To the Jews I became a Jew, so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all men, so that I might by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so I may become a fellow partaker of it. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way as you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. May Paul's life and his faithfulness be an encouragement to us. No matter what we are going through or have been through or have yet to go through, we are to remain faithful to what God has called us to. And we need to have a strong foundation to make it through those times. Now we will be turning our attention to verses 22 and 23 and how Jesus fulfilled the prophecies concerning the Messiah from the Old Testament, that the Messiah would suffer and that through his resurrection he would proclaim light to the Jews and to the Gentiles. This is not merely to increase knowledge. It is to increase and strengthen our faith so that we may be confident of what we believe, just like Paul was, And so that we may be faithful when the hard times come to continue to believe the word of God. There's going to be a lot of scripture, so if you can't get all the references written down, uh, the sermon will be available online later in the week, and feel free to go back and look at it. Also, this is not a comprehensive list. Uh, This is just a brief overview, and some of the passages have future prophecies about Jesus' second coming and rule on the earth, that are yet to be fulfilled, and I won't go into detail on those today. So Genesis three fourteen through 15. the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field, and on your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. The woman's seed, the redeemer of all humanity, was going to crush the head of the devil. But in the process, he was going to get struck in the heel, symbolizing that Messiah was going to redeem the whole world, but in the process was going to suffer, just like Jesus did. Genesis forty-nine ten through 11 The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. He ties his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washes his garments in wine and his robes in the blood of grapes. The Messiah is to come from the tribe of Judah, and and it also talks about a donkey's colt. Jesus came from the tribe of Judah and rode into Jerusalem on a donkey's colt. Exodus 12, this is the Passover story, uh, the whole chapter. Every year, a pure and spotless lamb was to be sacrificed in memory of what God did, that he struck down the firstborn of all the people and of all the animals of Egypt, but spared the firstborn of anyone who had taken the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorframe of their house. The Messiah was to be the pure and spotless sacrifice. He was supposed to be the pure and spotless lamb, and we were to put the blood on the doorframe of our hearts, as we'll see in Isaiah, 60, Isaiah 53 in a little bit. Deuteronomy eighteen fifteen through 18. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen. You shall listen to him. This is according to all that you have asked for. From the Lord your God, in Horeb, on the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. Let me not see this great fire any more, or I will die. The Lord said to me, They have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. This is a prophecy concerning the leader of the people that was supposed to be the Messiah. Um, Jesus said of himself that he only speaks what the Father tells me. He is the prophet and the leader that Moses spoke of. Second Samuel 7:12 through16. This is said of David: "When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendants after you." Who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. And when he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the son of men. But my loving kindness shall not depart from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. This is partially fulfilled in Solomon, yet the eternal nature of it points to the Messiah. And Jesus always referred to God as his Father. He was beaten with the strokes of men for our sake, and he is the descendant of David. Psalm 2 says, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Jesus, in John 3.16 Says that he is the only begotten Son of God. Psalm 16:10 For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. Jesus resurrected on the third day, before a body undergoes decay. Agrippa would have known that either Jesus resurrected or that his disciples stole a body. This was the common knowledge, and Paul said that it was not done in a corner. And everyone in Judea at that time would have known that one of those two things had to have been true. Psalm 22. This passage talks in detail about crucifixion, and it was centuries before crucifixion was invented. In this prophetic psalm, the Messiah is mocked, saying, Let the Lord rescue him if he delights in him. His bones are out of joint, and he can see all of his bones. And this happens during a crucifixion. His garments are divided by the casting of lots. His hands and his feet were pierced. All of these things happen to Jesus. Psalm 69, 8 through 9. I have become estranged from my brothers and an alien to my mother's sons. For zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Jesus was estranged from his earthly family during his ministry. They later came to believe that he was Messiah, but while he was doing his ministry, they did not believe it and thought he was insane. He also had zeal for the temple and was mocked and reproached for his zeal. Psalm one eighteen twenty two 22 through 23. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. The Jewish leaders, the builders, rejected Jesus the chief cornerstone. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be a child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Jesus was born to Mary while she was still a virgin. And Emmanuel means God with us. And Jesus was God who dwelt among men. Isaiah 9, 6-7. There has been no increase throughout history of the in, to the true Christianity throughout the world. It is continuing to increase even in the hardest places, and increases the most during persecution. And also, it's one of the few religions that where it grows, and it is not corrupt. It promotes peace. Isaiah eleven one through five. Then a shoot will spring up from the stem of Jesse, and a branch. Bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord, and he will not judge by what he sees, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he will judge the poor, and he will decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. And he will strike the earth with a rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked." also righteousness will be in the belt about his loins and faithfulness the belt about his waist. The Spirit of God came and rested on Jesus in bodily form as a dove right after he is baptized. And also, he only spoke what his father said. Isaiah 42, 1-7 God's servant will not cry out with a loud voice nor make his voice heard in the street. Jesus spoke in parables and often withdrew into the wilderness. The Messiah will not be disheartened or or crushed until he has established justice on the earth. Jesus Jesus was not crushed until he took the penalty of sin on the cross. And in so doing, he established justice and took God's wrath for all injustice upon himself. The Messiah will be a light for the nations, And Paul affirms that Jesus does this in Acts 26. Isaiah 49, 7. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and its Holy One, to the despised one, to the one abhorred by the nation, to the servant of the rulers, kings will see and and arise. Princes also will bow down, because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One who has chosen you. Messiah was to be despised, yet a promise remains that kings and princes will come and bow down before him. And Jesus was despised. Isaiah fifty-two, thirteen through fifty-three, twelve. Robert already read from this this morning, but we'll read it again. Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted, just as many were astonished at you, my people. So his appearance was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him, for what had not been told them they will see, and what they had not heard they will understand. Who has believed our message, and to whom? has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face. He was, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, spinned of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our, well, for our well-being fell on him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shears, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due? His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself a guilt offering. He will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his, of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with a strong, because he poured himself out to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sins of many and interceded for the transgressors. This is one of the clearest passages we have where the Messiah was to suffer and carry the guilt of mankind and also be resurrected. Jesus fulfills it all. His blood cleanses us just like the Passover lamb. He was silent before Pilate when he was accused. He poured himself out to death and yet was resurrected. Uh, He was crucified with wicked men. He was buried in a rich man's grave. Daniel nine twenty four through twenty seven. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, until Messiah the Prince. There will be seven weeks and sixty two weeks. It will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Then, after the sixty two weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war, desolations are determined. This one's very important. It talks about the timing of the coming of the Messiah. There was a maximum of 490 years from the time of Jerusalem was rebuilt after Babylon destroyed it until the Messiah came. In this passage, the Messiah was also to die before this time. The walls of Jerusalem were to be, were, they began to be built around 457 B.C., putting the death of Messiah somewhere around 30 A.D. This is very, very close to, to Jesus' time frame of his life, to Jesus' Time frame of life, ministry, and death. If Jesus was not the Messiah, then there was some other person alive during his lifetime, and there's no other person that fits. Hosea 11.1 1, When Israel was a youth, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Jesus went to Egypt as a child and later came back to Israel. Micah 5.2 But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you one will go forth for me to be a ruler in Israel. His going forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Messiah will come from Bethlehem. Jesus was from Bethlehem. And also, Messiah was to be from the days of eternity, meaning he had no birth. And Jesus said that He was alive when Abraham was alive. Right, if the band wants to come up, you guys can. Now, Zechariah three eight through eleven. Now listen, Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who are sitting in front of you. Indeed, they are men who are assembled. For behold, I am going to bring in my servant the branch. For behold, the stone that I have set before Joshua. On one stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave an inscription on it, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of the land in one day. Jesus' Hebrew name was Joshua, and Messiah was to remove the iniquity of the land in one day. In one day, Jesus paid for the sins of the entire world. Zechariah 9 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of the donkey. Messiah was to come on a donkey's colt. And Jesus also rode into Jerusalem on a donkey's colt. Zechariah eleven thirteen. Then the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter, that magnificent price at which I was value, valued by them so I took the 30 shekels of silver and threw them to the potter in the house of the Lord the Lord was valued at 30 pieces of silver and then, and then it was thrown back into the temple Judas was paid 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus and whenever he regretted what he had done he threw it back into the temple and scattered on the floor Zechariah 12.10 I will pour out my, on that house I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication so that they will look on me whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son and they will weep bitterly over him with wh- bitter weeping as a firstborn. Messiah was to be pierced And Israel uh, Israel's eyes were to be closed that they could not see it that was the Messiah that they killed. This all happened to Jesus. Then Malachi four, five through six. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. Elijah was to come again before the Messiah. And Jesus claimed that John himself, John the Baptist, was this Elijah who was to come before Messiah. Now all of these prophecies happened hundreds of years before Jesus. And yet he fulfilled every one of them. And if you have doubts about the historical accuracy of these prophecies, these prophecies? In 1946, there was a discovery called the Dead Sea Scrolls, and it proved that they were all before the time of Jesus. May this increase our faith in God and in His Word. These are just a few of the prophecies that Paul would have been thinking about when testifying to Agrippa, and Agrippa would have known these. They would have been on his heart as he memorized the Old Testament. And none of these facts about Jesus life were secret. They were not done in a corner as Paul said. By this time this message was well known throughout the entire world. It says in Acts 17:6 that Paul's trying to disturb the whole world and that this message of Jesus had been become known. These passages about the Messiah and the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah are what kept Paul focused on his calling. May we, may we remember our Savior and grow in faithful obedience to him and the message of his resurrection and reconciliation as we remember how he fulfilled the law and the prophets. And I also, also feel like I want to remind us that if we haven't been faithful, that there's grace. Uh, Romans 8.1 says that therefore there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, that the blood of Jesus covers everything. Yeah, that if we, we have not been faithful, there's a fresh start. See, as we, as we close our time this morning, uh, get prayer if you need it. Uh, yeah, turn your hearts back to God. May we all be faithful to what God has called us to. Yeah, Father, thank you again for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Paul and his example in his life. Thank you for the records that we have in Scripture. Thank you for being true to your word. Thank you that you give us, have given us a foundation that cannot be shaken. Yeah, that you have, you have rescued us from all doubt and unbelief. Yeah, may we have confidence in you in Jesus name amen